Hello and welcome to the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. This is your Wrestling Life, our third edition, and who else could we have chosen? Uh, this is a very selfish pick for us. It's somebody who, who we both admire and really just wanted to, to get this you know, out there and, and really have an excuse to go back and watch so many of his, of his moments. Um, Stuart, of course, you're joining me on this one, and I believe you were the, the spearhead behind us actually choosing this fella. Um, he's, our, he's our home nation hero. He is the royalty of wrestling. He is none other than, of course, he is Lord Stephen Regal. <laughs> yes. Lord Stephen Regal, William Regal, Darren Matthews, if you want to go shoot on his real name. Um one of the best British wrestlers of all time, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, one of the best technicians of all time in the world of wrestling. And somebody who gets overlooked quite a lot with, um, not just his in-ring aspects, but in all aspects of, of the wrestling and entertainment world, if you like, as well. Um, just before we actually dive into to, you know, going through his career and, and dissecting it like we do, like a couple of geeks, you know. Um, <laughs> really, why did we pick him, Sure, I mean, just, just in, a, in a nutshell, you know, why think, did we go for William Regal? I think he, he is, as you you've, you've pretty much already hit the nail on the head there, Mark. Um, he is probably one of the most entertaining people by doing nothing. And as you know, what I mean, as citizens of the British realm, that's that's our kind of humour. That's our entertainment. You know, what I mean, you, you look through the the guys like Rowan Atkinson, uh, Mister Bean. It's all facial expressions. It's yeah. it, it's nothing over the top. It's just it's so subtle. It's so British. It's just it's so good. It seemed to come so naturally to him, you know. So, I mean, Darren Matthews, born in England, uh, 1968. So, currently that makes him only 52, which is already a surprise to me. I feel like he's, you know, been around for a long, long time. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he began as a wrestler at the age of 15, 1983, um, for promoter Bobby Barron um, at the Wrestling Challenge booth in Blackpool, England, which was basically like like shoot wrestling. So, you know, he would every, every Saturday or whatever, there'd be this sort of stall would be open and people would come down and actually try and wrestle with Bobby Barron's wrestlers. Um, that's what the, ch- the wrestling challenge booth was. People would step up and try and challenge his wrestlers. Very, Regal was very, one of them. Very carnival stuff. Very very carnival, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, just just when you know you read that first sentence and then you, you look at where Regal went, you thought, you know, you, would just, you see the, the rough and ready side of, of, of a wrestler. You don't think of a guy who comes from that background. You know, it's, it's like maybe like, you know, the cage fighting of its day in terms of people who just are trained to fight and, and, and be strong. And there's nothing really about character there. You wouldn't really think, would you? But No, it's like, um, it's very kind of a, you know, street fighting, bare knuckle kind of thing. Like, I always associate that more with Finlay. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously, if you strip away Regal's charisma... You have Finlay. That's what he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's not no way I knocked. No, Finley. no, it's not. Finlay's class, but um, Regal took that, um, you know, rough and ready, you know what I mean? Uh, street tough, as you would call it, you know what I mean? Um, and, and he made it work for him. Yep, absolutely did. So in, in, in his early years, he would wrestle across the United Kingdom. Um, you know, the UK wrestling scene was somewhat on the downturn um i think you know world of sport wrestling was slowing sort of uh, towards the mid 80s late 80s um it had been its height just sort of early 80s i believe so he just sort of came through the end of that um if you don't know what world of sport wrestling is it's the old british you know if you ask your your <laughs> mum's pal or your granny's pals you know they all tell you about world of sport wrestling it's giant that. haystacks and fucking big daddy, big daddy like yeah, yeah. Any, any british person listening to this right now will have said to someone at a family party that they like wrestling and and that's what somebody has retorted with. Oh, like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. Mm-hmm. Guarantee you, everybody.
everybody's everybody who knows wrestling in the UK has had that conversation with somebody. It's the previous generations, like obviously, kind of these days, everybody would say, "Oh, you like I like wrestling. Oh, you like the WWF, do you? Yeah. Or, 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 oh, you like WWE, do you? Like, uh, yes. it, was, it was a generation before. Yeah, it was like a Saturday that. morning show, I believe, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, guys like Giant Haystacks, as you said, um, Scotsman Drew McDonald, of course, uh, what to guys like that. Um, he teamed up with Robbie Brookside, who's now his fellow NXT trainer, um, as the Golden Boys, um, primarily for a company called All Star Wrestling in the UK as well. Um, wrestled right through Europe and stuff like that. Um, I think he had quite a bad shoulder injury at one point. Um, I believe originally Regal was actually trying to become like a high flyer. Um, which is just ridiculous to think about now. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he had a shoulder injury and he thought, that's nah, not for me anymore, you know. Um, even like body type, mate, he was like always stocky. So yeah, like top really heavy. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1991, Regal would be offered a tryout with WWE, um, or WWF at the time, as it came to the UK for the WWF UK Rampage show. Uh, what a dark six man tag. He teamed up with Tony St. Clair and Dave Taylor, beating Drew McDonald, Chip Cullen, and Johnny South. Um, just a, a, a total barrage of names if you ever been looked through some of those guys they were actually big on the UK scene at the time but anybody who wasn't around at the time wouldn't know who they are um, but the exception of Drew McDonald and Dave Taylor I believe because Taylor would further, you know, go on to the Ameri- to America um, with me yep, yep. eventually um, a long time after this <laughs> 2004 um, I think yeah 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 he would work another match in October, uh, but WWE came back to the UK, like they do now, they do two tours a year. Um, and in December, he would actually work for WCW as they toured the UK. So really, you know, it was quite big, you know, when, when the American companies would come over, they'd bring a stock roster of maybe, you know, 14, 16 people uh, and just fill in with, with local talent, you know, to sort of fill the cards up and also have a look at guys who they might think of hiring in the future. Mm-hmm. Quite an old-fashioned way of doing things, but I quite like that idea, you know. Oh, definitely. Cuts down on your travel cost, doesn't it? Yeah, and I know. I know nowadays as well. You know that when when there will be come to town, um, come overseas, they always have trials and stuff like that on the go, um, sort of throughout the day for local wrestlers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have seen, you know, when if there's ever a squash going, that they get local talent on the cards. So it's not exactly a lost start, you know, but um, certainly a lot more common back then. Um, so. They wrestled quite a few matches on that UK tour. I think he wrestled six matches, actually. Guys like uh, Terence Taylor, uh, Jimmy Garvin, Giant Haystacks, and Oz, the future Kevin Nash, of course. <laughs> That's not a throwback. <laughs> um, Stephen Regal was primarily the name he was booked under throughout this time as well. Um, really funny. It was really strange to know that Regal name just always been there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it was um, uh, Bobby Barron, who was the original booker, that actually gave him that name. Um, I know he's been he said in interviews before he's been throwing some absolutely ridiculous names at the time as well but um, I, I like I like I just like that you know because he's, he's British Regal yeah, I just it, think it suits so nicely you know it's, it cements you with um, one particular gimmick and it's the, the, the you know I mean the, the snobby Englishman the really. snobby hierarchy British man yeah definitely definitely which, so, is uh, odd, which is very very strange because he's from the north and if you yeah. learn in about England, it's uh... quite the opposite. <laughs> quite, the opposite. <laughs> quite the rough and ready type. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind us saying that. I'm sure they would actually cheer us on for saying that as well. <laughs> he is quite uh, posh sounding, in fairness. Yeah. It's no, it's no accent. Um... <laughs> mm. So in autumn of 92, uh, Regal sent a letter to Cowboy, Cowboy Bill Watts, uh, the man in charge at WCW at the time, basically looking for a position on the roster. And it was a successful attempt. I don't see Vince McMahon reading too many letters from talent nowadays. Um he was given a contract. He started in uh, 1993, debuting on a taping of WCW Saturday Night, uh, winning his match against Enhancement Talent as a babyface, which is 
you know, not, not a role he, he seen ever played, but very, very rarely played. He was, he was just set out to be a heel. And being being a foreign guy over there, it would made a hell of a lot more sense as well, you know. Um, he would work as a standard good guy for a little while and then found himself as the villain Lord Stephen Regal. A descendant from William the Conqueror uh, and accompanied to the ring by Sir William, uh, more well-known in territories, I don't know if you know, uh, Bill Dundee, um, sort of Memphis and stuff like that. That's who, who was accompanying him at the time. Um not only even at this time was Regal's wrestling great, but he had the gift of gab, you know, and allowed him to sort of gain that momentum as, as a heel. And at the time, you know, it was it was early 90s, so there was still that, I don't want to say easiness of getting heat, but, you know, the crowd were a bit more receptive to it then, you know. Um, and and he, just, he just looks like a heel. Would you agree with that? You know, yes. just in, in his face and... His mannerisms. It's, it's, a, it's a very simple thing as well. Like, he'll walk through the ring with um, the one hand behind his back, Mm. And the the, the, the other hands kind of almost like you know the chin up and the, yeah. looking down his nose at you. you yes, know? yes, that's exactly what it is. I he just he looks like someone that thinks he's better than you. Yeah, and that's perfect for a wrestling crowd because especially uh, Southern WCW fans who are uh, well known for being uh, kind of. I'll say working class. In the words of Scott Steiner, trash. Um... <laughs> White trash. <laughs> White trash. <laughs> yeah, so very, very easy. Um, I'm not going to call it cheap heat because it's not. It's just, it's good, good, good heat. Good Ideal stuff. for a heel, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd be licking your chops walking in front of that crowd. Um... You would. So. Regal started, you know, gaining momentum on TV and stuff like that. Um, as a heel character, it started working well. Um, obviously, every heel back in those days had to have a manager as well. I think that was why he was paired up with Sir William. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, the lack of ability on a microphone or anything like that. I think it was simply, if you're a heel, you need a heel manager um, to help get the heat. Uh, faced off with Marcus Bagwell, beat him at Classic Champions in June '93. But his biggest match yet would line up uh, Fall Brawl 1993, taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the Television Championship. Um, Fall Brawl 93, probably as far as we've gone on the podcast in terms of watching the match, um, going back the way that is. I think 93 is about as far as we've, we've looked back yes, yet. Yes, this is um, the earliest match, yep. Which is, I mean, I, I really enjoy watching matches from that area because they seem a lot more simpler. Um, you know, uh, 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 so... Just, just nice to sit and watch. You know, it's not like you, there's a lot going on. It's just sort of right. This is going to happen mm-hmm. now. You can sort of read it. I don't know if that's maybe the, you know the geek in me there, but um... it's very simple. It's very simple storytelling. Um, if you can get past the datedness of the the production, um, yeah, ah, you'll you'll find some hidden gems. Yeah, um, especially around about this era. So of course we have watched this match up. Um, Fall Brawl 1993. Lord Stephen Regal. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the match I never knew I needed. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, f- first of all, let's let's just let's let's <laughs> let's go back a gear here. Entrances, <laughs> Regal not impressed with his pyro. He just he turned round and he snarls at his his own pyro, which I absolutely bought for. That was amazing. And, um, and, and in a you know in, in a sense, you know, pyro something that warms the crowd in terms of they enjoy that and as a yes. bad guy you shouldn't want to give them that Correct. so it totally makes sense from that it, st- it absolutely does yeah, I'm also absolutely loving his cape uh, oh, it's yes. not it's not a robe it's a fucking cape and it's so nice <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> delightful <laughs> um, Steamboat's entrance though um, he's obviously get the he's dressed up as a dragon. He's, he's got the the kind of a it's almost like a waistcoat, but with with extensions out to the arms. So he look, looks like the old dragon's wings and stuff like that. And he's got the fire breather. 
Uh, oh, fucking incredible one. I think to myself, holy shit, this is actually 93. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I, if I was watching wrestling at this time, I would have loved this. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like, oh, it comes out, you know, he's got the, he's got the fire stick and the breeze, the fire, you know. Mm. I just thought that was that was really cool. And I liked how, you know, just sort of embraced that gimmick, if you like. Um because, I mean, a lot of people would, would be, you know, they'd maybe pitch that to them and they go, fuck off. <laughs> exactly. I'm not wearing, wearing wings and breathing fire, you know? Um, yeah, he absolutely embraced the character and a steamboat man. He is the ultimate baby face. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, what, a man <laughs> that has never been healed in his career. Um, it's is crazy it, as well, you know, to yeah. have that longevity. Longevity, rather. Um, yeah, without a turn. Yeah, yeah you know, without of. it getting really stale or anything. Yeah, yeah. totally unheard of. Yeah. Even... Um, no, no, I can't even think of anyone that would come close. No. I've known people who have maybe been, you know, as regal for perhaps, you know, heels most of their career. But you can sort of change that up, can't you? But as a baby face, it can become yeah, steel pretty quickly. Definitely. Um, even like, I mean, guys like Backlund, even Backlund had a heel turn on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Slaughter, Hogan, yeah. you know, even those guys had heel turns, you know, and being big American guys. Duggan? But I mean... Yeah, Duggan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in NWO for a for a cup of coffee. Oh, probably was actually. Yeah. Um, nice, nice, simple narrative here. Um, Steamboat has obviously been injured. Um, he's nursing some uh, some bruising on the old ribs, or if it's broken ribs, one of the two. Uh, they're obviously taped up. So Regal is the bastard heel. He just targets him the full match. Um, yeah, absolutely. Put, you put a bullseye on yourself, it's going to get attacked. Yeah. Um, t- it does not get simpler than that. Such, it's, it's certainly simple. And certainly WCW did that a lot, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, at an angle they focus on a body part. Um, I think when Steamboat was feuding with Flair, it was his eye. Um, they got it at one point and that gave yeah. Flair a, sort of a target as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good way to keep, obviously, um, on the outcome, you know what I mean? It keeps the, it keeps the face strong, relatively strong um, because it wasn't 100% kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it allows you to come back from that, you know. Yeah, and... Definitely, there's, there's a return match in there somewhere which I love. Yeah. I was um, quite surprised with Shivani and, and Ventura on commentary by the ah, way. That's just... what I was like, Ventura on commentary, I'm like, holy shit, this is odd, but yeah, like, what a strange passage of time we're in here. Oh no, I was like, I just, I, I've never, I've never known this passage to exist, I thought that was bizarre. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I actually quite enjoyed it, you know. Yes, um, it, yes. It wasn't a. There was a little bit of bickering, but the bickering was relevant to what I was going on. I always thought was really good at that. Yeah. Um, even with Monsoon, you know, he was very, very good at that, and uh, it wasn't always bickering because a lot of the times he would agree. Yes. You know, because he made really good points, and it, it's a nightmare when the babyface commentator just wants to cheer the babyface. But mm-hmm. if they can see logic within, or you know, pick holes. I watched um, Hogan and Warrior a while ago there, um, quite not too long ago. Um, and I remember, I remember being like, "Oh, this match is a bit thingy." But they were having back and forth, and because it was they were both baby faces, it was like they were doing du- overtime, you know, because yeah, like, Ventura yeah. was having to pick out the good and bad in both, mm-hmm. and then Monsoon was having to agree because I, I just thought it was really pleasant then as well. So I'm quite high on on um, Ventura. Ventura, very very high on uh, it. There was a nice wee segment. That, uh, sorry, there was a nice wee statement that he made. Um, it was maybe just, just after the halfway point of the match. Um, he says. Um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat should uh, intentionally get disqualified to keep his title. Um, he goes on to say um, he may lose some money tonight for losing, obviously being disqualified, yeah. because it's still a sport at this point, um, but he would still make more money in the long run keeping his belt. And I, I had to pause the match and I thought, oh, fucking hell, that's brilliant. Yeah. Like, holy shit. 
uh, you, you don't think about things like that. You know what I, I mean? just love when wrestling's presented that way. And yeah. you know, it's the old, you know, the better you do on the the more matches you win and the titles that you hold. Yeah, like you're it relates to your bank balance. You yeah, know? yeah, it is. Yeah, so you're not buying into the full. Oh, this guy's on a contract. He's earning X amount per appearance, and that's it. No, 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 no. This guy needs to win to earn more money. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that will never come back to wrestling. Oh, it's, just, it's so far gone. Absolutely. But it is, it's really refreshing. Yeah. Um, it's so much, you know, what what is old is it's new again because, you know, when you go back and watch this stuff and you see this, the situation we've been at for the last 15 years, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's been so unbelievable and especially with everything that's going on just now in the wrestling <laughs> business as well. But, you know, when you go back to just older and simpler times, it's simpler so, times. I know back in the day people were like, oh, that's just fucking, you know, it's boring, you know, there's not much mm-hmm. going on. But now, now I'm at a stage where I oh, just like how nice and simple it is and how it's just nicely packaged in a wee box, you know. And nowadays in the RB, it comes in a big hamper with a bowl and a big plastic thing we in a basket, and it's got and a guy delivering it with a tutu. And you know, it's <laughs> just all these accessories it doesn't need. And back then, it was just a, a brown paper box you were handed with a sticker on it, you know. I'll I like take that. that analogy, that's perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, so we'll talk about the match now, <laughs> yes. Um, so there's a nice, I liked how the um, so the cameraman was always up on the apron, Ooh. right? So there's a spot where um. Rico's in the corner and Steamboat's leaning in with the knife edge chops and because the camera's so close the fucking noise of the chops is unbelievably loud it's it's just oh it's like Chris, you know when the show does the old silence oh, like, and then it's like aye so he didn't Steamboat didn't need to silence like, man, the fucking noise of this slap man Woo! wouldn't like to be Rico in the morning you're, uh, you're absolutely feeling that yeah. Um. Another another thing that I kind of picked up on as well. It was an odd scene. Um. So Steamboat taps out at one point. Uh, but That's it's, great. It's not recognised because uh, only verbal submit verbal submissions were uh, known in America at this yeah. time. Um. That came in around about the kind of ninety five ninety six period with Taz and ECW. So at this time, it's it's. Yeah, it's just a nice wee odd point of interest that you're sitting right on the canvas and you're thinking... Well, it's funny because I did notice that and that's what, like, exactly what I noticed. It must be a sign of the times because, you know, that wasn't always, you know, yeah. you tapped and that was you. Um, which, which made me think then, so submission matches back then were I quit matches because you actually had to give a verbal submission. So. Yeah, because that, that comes from MMA, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, a, yeah, yeah. a physical yeah. tap. Um, obviously, if you're being choked and stuff like that because obviously in wrestling, choking isn't allowed. So they wouldn't mm-hmm. have that need to choke that they could start to verbally submit Um, so yeah that's a very simple and pleasant logic behind that Uh, Regal he's not he's not changed his style ever Um, it's so similar yeah he's never changed he he will wear you down uh, with a combination of like crisp suplexes uh, really tight submission holds you know I mean the Fucking arm, but he'll, he'll focus on a body part and he'll just work it and he'll wear it down. And he'll wear it down, uh, and his strikes as well are just incredible. Yeah, I think he came out of Stu Hart's school of stretching, not literally, but you know, it's, it's the old, you know, he doesn't mind, he knows how far he can stretch something to make yeah. it look good and not hurt you. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I think that makes total sense. Um, it, it really just suits the character so well. Some people don't like watching that style, you know, I will, I will say that now. Some people don't enjoy watching that, you know, grind out, slow mm-hmm. pace, maybe, you know. But as long as it doesn't, as long as it's no, you know, what, sixty minute iron, <laughs> you know, sixty yeah. minute Broadways and stuff, you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. But at least if it's if it's if it's light and and light and breezy, you know, if it's yeah, just sort if of it's, enjoyable. It's but he always, as I said, he throws in the suplexes. Yeah, he's working with a guy like with a um, steamboat in this match. He knows who the workhorse is, so he's sort of happy to take a back seat. At a, you know, uh, steamboat being a veteran at this point, I mean, steamboat in his forties here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I, I did note, you know, I don't think he got a hell of a lot of offense in early on. But it was very much, it was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be seen as an even bout. You know, you're looking at a, a, a top babyface champion in this Wiley heel, um, and obviously as you said, the babyface having having an issue, an issue with the ribs. So I, I really, really enjoyed it for what it was. And as you said, you know, some nice suplexes in there um, from Regal. Um, and a lot of plenty of rest holds and working body parts, but you know, sensible, rest, and sensible well. rest holds like putting on an abdominal stretch, abdominal stretch. Um, because he's got injured ribs, it makes sense, perfect, yeah. good stuff. Uh, Steamboat hits a tombstone, which I always is, I always find bizarre to watch when it's not Taker or Kane doing it. <laughs> Again, that's just that's just a sign of when I started watching I, wrestling. I think that's a height mean. thing for me as well, though, like because they're so big, mm-hmm. it makes it just. It looks right, but when it's somebody a bit smaller, it doesn't quite. I don't know, it doesn't match up. <laughs> doesn't you, you always think, uh, particularly see like watching Benoit in WCW, you always think you see when he gets him up, you're like, oh, fuck, you know, Benoit's gone for a tombstone. Nah, he hits him with a shoulder breaker. Yeah, ah, you're so bad. <laughs> you got but, me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just always because Steamboat's a relatively small guy, I think. I think Mike Regal might be a bit taller than him. Uh, just yeah, prob- prob- you're probably right. I think Regal's maybe about six one. Um, yeah. Steamboat maybe just dropping below the six foot mark, but um... yeah, just just about odd. Um, home time anyway. Uh, so Steamboat follows that up with um, with the cross body for the top rope, which is lovely. Um, but he injures his ribs uh, more so in the act. Uh, and Sir, Sir William runs into fiance, absolutely smashes Steamboat with his umbrella. His umbrella smashes uh, him. I, I went to say umbrella there. I'd written down umbrella, <laughs> but I'll say umbrella for, for, for an American friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Regal rolls him with a lovely German suplex. Just about gets the bridge um, and picks up the win in his first singles title. Yeah. Um, Regal and Steamboat sign me up for this anytime once again, you know. Like, that was... Just a pleasant watch, you know. And I mean, it must have went about twenty minutes, didn't it? It was, it was just over twenty. I think it was twenty and twelve. Yeah, it was twenty and change anyway. Um, because I watched it for another ten minutes. Um, talk about instant chemistry. Yeah, I mean that, that's the first time you know. That's, that's the thing as well. Back then, you know, because guys would come from all walks and just yes. sort of wander into the ring, mm-hmm. and you had to be able to go. Or you are you be outed, you know? And it was very very clear these two could absolutely go. Um, in terms of you know. Regal here, I mean, I almost said he's young here, but he's nine. He's eight. He's eight, eight, eight sorry, so he debuted in eighty three, so he's ten years mm-hmm. um, into into his debut and his sort of wrestling career here already. Yeah. Um, but at the age of twenty five, moving out to America and being thrown in there, you know, on a on a pay per view card for a championship. In the opening contest against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, big pressure. Look, and he just looked full of confidence. You know, he yeah. didn't look in any way, shape, or form nervous, caught in the headlights, none of that. Went out there and did his job. Um, I think I said to you after I'd watched it that there was also a promo after the match, um, a few segments on that was worth watching. Um, did you check that one out? Did you Did you catch that? Uh, no, I was caught in the headlights by who the next match actually was. <laughs> <laughs> um, just as a just as a point of interest, the next match was between uh, a lad called Charlie Norris, who was wrestling a guy called Big Sky. Big Sky um, was the guy who played Sabretooth in the two thousand X Men movie. You are joking. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's some trivia. That's some trivia for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I this, this was the, the sort of the first glimpse I'd seen then of, of a regal. And his snobby Englishman character, I think we'll call it that, um, in full swing, you know, where it was he was cutting the promo. Um 
afterwards, and it, it just it was just a sort of wow, this is you know because you know this is a character that would serve him so well t- to this day, you know, um, and his current role in the review as well. It, it's just such a it's so strange, you know, to looking back in '93 and thinking, my God, you know, that's, that's still going strong. Yeah. Um, so as was standard with the TV title, after Regal picked it up, he would have a lengthy title reign defending against all comers. And that was the thing about the TV title. He defended it every week, just about, you know. Yeah, um, um, just to, just before we move on from a uh, fall brawl there, um, I was reading obviously a wee bit about the pay-per-view. Um, one of the, the lowest rated WCW pay-per-views of all time, um, if you can believe it after that opening contest, um, wrestling journalist Arnold Furious uh, went on record to say, this is a direct quote, um, <clears throat> quote, this is a new low by my reckoning and possibly the worst WCW show ever by this point, 93, especially considering the stacked nature of the card. Uh, he notes that he appreciated the work rate of the Dragon and Regal, uh, particularly with Steamboat saying he is, quote, one of the few guys on the roster with enough pride to not call it in when the opportunity presents itself. So to say that we got the best match of that card is a fucking understatement. Uh, yeah. And it's good to see both guys getting the recognition that they deserve on a famously poor, poor show. Wow. Didn't even realise it was that by the show. I'm glad we didn't watch the whole bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Fulbright 93 off the list for pay-per-view reviews. <laughs> How WCW is that, though? Like, the opening match is the best match in the card. Yeah. Always, even back in 93. Always seem to fucking book their cars backwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Defending the title against Arn Anderson, uh, time limit, a lot of time limit draws on these because he was a heel, that's kind of the way you get your yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, David Boy Smith, Johnny B. Bad, uh, Steamboat again, Starcade, and Dustin Rhodes, uh, a class of champions 26th in the January of 1994. Um, so a hell of a good run through at that point as well. Um, he would defend once again against Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman before challenging the Nature Boy to a best of five series under the marquee of of Queensbury rules, um, which was basically so. so marquee of the Queensbury rules is like an old boxing term for the accepted rules within boxing. Um, so basically, what this was on their on their weekly TV, um, they would have like a, a five round sort of have a round each week on te- on television. Him and, and Flair um, for the the marquee of Queensbury Cup. Um, Regal, Regal would lose that after two losses, two draws, and just one win over the Nature Boy. But I think getting anything over the Nature Boy um, at any time is a bit of a rub, you know. Um, being, in the, being in the ring with him at this point is just, it's going to elevate you. Yeah, uh, there were only a, a few minute rounds, I think only five minute rounds. Um, so you will only get, you know, so much of that. It's not like, you know, you know one, I'd rather one 25 minute match between the pair, <laughs> if I'm being selfish, you know. Um, he would drop the title to uh, Larry Zabisco uh, in May. So he had the championship for eight months at that point, which is a fair old one, you know. Um, I mean, quite common back in those days, but the same token, with uh, the TV title, as I said, you know, defend it quite a lot of the time. Um, there's always that big target on your back, and you have to be the workhorse, you know. Um, Anne Anderson's talking about that quite a lot in his podcast, you know, when he was a TV champion. It was a, diffi- it was a difficult belt to hold, because not only were you working all the shows, but you'd have to hold, you know, 30-minute matches in most of the shows. Um, yeah. If you were I think, working house shows at the time, sometimes you'd have to go on our Broadway, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which was no hard task for Regal. I think he's well documented, especially, um, but we'll get to soon enough, um, when, when he left WCW, that he was always used to the long matches. So having a short match was foreign to him, you know? Yeah, um, he would uh, also uh, wrestle for New Japan, um, wrestling with Antonio Inoki at one point as well, um, sort of dropping over there. Um 
he would win back his title at Clash of Champions 27. He entered a feud with Sting, but um, we were robbed of that match at that time with Sting getting an injury. Um, Selfish bastard. How dare he? Uh, Sting <laughs> in 94, I'd like to have seen that right enough. Um, he would defend his title against Johnny B. Bad once again before losing a non-title match, as I said there, to Antonio Inoki. Um, and eventually would drop the belt to B. Bad uh, at Fall Brawl. So a year after his first title win, he's held the championship twice. Um you know, really come full circle and sort of picking it up there and dropping it off there. Um, some great names in that run. Really good rub for him first yep. year in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, November of 94, Lord Stephen Regal uh, begins scouting a young Jean-Paul Levesque. Um, so in January 1995, that would lead to the forming of the Blue Buds. Um, of course, this was Triple H's big break. Uh, Triple H, of course, as we know him now. Um, Levesque would leave WCW pretty soon afterwards, so we didn't really get... Uh, a fair old run at that. Um, I don't want even a tag team. <laughs> yeah, right. Took the huff. Uh, prefers a dry roll. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> nobody's going to get that one. But us too, mate. Um, he'd be replaced by Bobby Eaton, who's, of course, well known for being part of the Midnight Express with Dennis Condry and Jim Cornette. Uh, I sent you some of the vignettes of those two, um, which are very, very dead, humorous. Yes, um, yes. Um, very much Regal carrying it by himself and getting nothing back. It's... Um, it's very much a My Fair Lady kind of a parody yeah. where Eaton is the, you know, the dirty, dirty American, the slob. He's turning up to dinner and fucking might as well be in a fluorescent tracksuit. Yeah. Uh, fucking doing his best Jimmy Savile impersonation, but he's look, no, he's seen a paedophile, but uh, <laughs> he just looks like a scruffy bastard turning yeah, up. Yeah, no, no, you know ex- I mean? yeah, exactly. Um, totally out of place, and obviously, Regal being the, the upper class. Um, yeah. Uh, very, very good stuff, you know, telling, trying to teach him to speak the Queen's English, etc. Yes, yes. Uh, just yes. nice wee lines in there. Really good character development for both of them. Uh, a mismatched tag team. It worked really, really well for what it was. You know, I said these segments were very entertaining for what they were. Um, as they were building up this team at home anyway, I said Regal was out touring with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he would actually unsuccessfully challenge the world champion at the time, Shinya Hashimoto. Um, if you don't like how I pronounce his name, you can fuck off. Although it's a losing effort, I mean, again, that's that's some faith in the talent to say, right, go and work with your champion on, 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 on tour, you know. Um, uh, over there as well, I think that's a hell of a, a hell of a bit of confidence boost, you know. Um, if, if, I, if I'm that talent, and I'm thinking, Christ, I get we'll work with this company's world champion. It's, it shows a bit of faith in you. Um, so in on the tag team title picture, um, uh, Bob Eaton and um, Regal, of course, they battle with Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys in the tag title picture for some time. Um, losing efforts, dropped to the mid card sort of tag team scene after that. They would add Dave Taylor, the old pal from the UK. Oh, yes. And Jeeves, who was their lackey uh, before the end of the year. I have no idea who this guy is. I can't even find anything about him. Um, he is a... What do you call me? He's a standard English butler character. Yeah. Um, if you imagine... If you imagine what Jeffrey was in The Fresh Prince... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the old kind of you in know, terms of in terms of who portrayed this person, and I, I could not find anything on him at all. Like it was just <laughs> like total blank. Um, if you want to about that one, hit me up there on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so in January of '96, the Belfast Bruiser, known later of course as Fit Finley, uh, would debut attacking Regal, and they would feud for a couple of months before Finley was injured. Um, in terms of you know their matches and stuff like that, and we won't really be watching. That era of, of Regal and Finlay stay tuned to see what we do watch. Um, but very, very hard hitting stuff. And I think it was like, you know, they broke mm-hmm. the one the one guy with I think Finlay got his nose broken by Regal and Regal mm-hmm. got his jaw cracked up. You know, they were like yeah. properly laying, laying broken ribs. 
Um, Finley Lane and the Irish Potatoes. <laughs> uh, Regal and Taylor have been the, the, the tie, sorry, with Tag and, and the Lethal Lottery, um, which is something I refuse to watch from WCW time um, <laughs> just because it seems so confusing from the outside looking in yeah. uh, the cards and stuff like that. Um, he would then challenge Sting to a match where they would have a Great American Bash that year, um, which of course Sting would win. But we did get that match after all. Uh, <laughs> And August Regal would win his third WCW TV title, getting an upset win over Lex Luger um, after an outsider's interference. We got Granny Fool sort of uh, <laughs> WCW now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blue Bloods, Blue Bloods would sort of take a back seat after that point. Regal would focus on that title reign. It would last about five months. Uh, he dropped the title to Prince Ayakea um, and would win it once again in Slambury in 97. Um, Went and lose the title a fourth time, beating, you know, dropping it back forth at Ultimo Dragon. Um, Blue Bloods had a rerun again beforehand, uh, before February 1998 um, on Nitro, where they would have a match with Goldberg. Um, well documented this one. Um, it's one that uh, casts a fair shadow on the pavement. Um, it depends who you speak to. It is. Uh, so... Basically, this match upset WCW management at the time. Um, Regal was, was stiff and aggressive with Goldberg, uh, and he was supposed to be beaten in a short match like most of Goldberg's opponent at the time. Uh, Regal disputes that, saying you know he was told to have a competitive match with Goldberg. Um, so he attempted to go out there and seemed to take advantage of the green Goldberg at the time uh, and was subsequently let go of the company. Do you have any thoughts on that one in general, um, for what it looked like to you? Yeah, Eric Bischoff, you're a wanker. Um <laughs> It's, it's just typical. As soon as anything goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I think I think I'd have to side with Regal on that one. Um, in terms of you know what he was told to do and what he went out there to do, um, and the fact that Goldberg wasn't ready for that sort of level. Was, was management's fault, you know, if, if that's what he was told to do. Um, but anyway, Regal would cross the divide, same for WBF after that, um, debuting on the 29th of June in 1998 episode of Raw, facing Darren Drozdov, um, which is the next match that we've decided to check out, is jumped to WWE uh, and probably how he's portrayed there. So he was introduced by Sable. Uh... <laughs> Fucking miss charisma here, man. Oh, my. <laughs> she, she takes over the show, overshadowing absolutely everything. <laughs> oh, what a dry shite she is, man. Holy fuck, man. Dry it, shit. Is, it is so... You can just tell she only gets accessible when she's having to get her tits out. Like, you can... She's so bad. She's fucking dreadful. Oh, don't hurt me, Brock. <laughs> oh, she's bad, man. She is. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of robbed of this debut match that we were hoping to see here, um, because a lot of the time we should be get you know two, a, a double screen with with Sable on one end and mm-hmm. Lawler groveling over. In hell, man! I know. And she is just closed book answers on commentary. Oh, yep. oh, what are you doing about this? Oh, I can't say. Oh, what's your interest in uh, Vince? Oh, I can't mention that. Oh, what's the business relationship between you and Vince? Oh, oh, you just have to wait. Oh, I can't. F- what are you doing in commentary? Yeah, why, I know why. But I mean, you could just have her come out, introduce someone, and piss and off. Fuck right off. Or, uh, or not have her there at all. Um, yes, that would be my preference. <laughs> uh, love the look for Eagle here. Uh, his coat is absolutely incredible. Uh, I like that debut straight out. He's immediately George Jack with the fans. Man, he's yeah. right in their face. Uh, not too sure about the theme song, right enough. Um, Surely someone that's representing the British realm is a generic theme song. Just give him Rural Britannia or something like that. Like, yeah. Give him God Save the Queen or something like that. Something that is recognisable instead of just kind of generic song number 17. Um, 
it would have been my only kind of a nitpick of the the the, the entrance. Well, apart from Sable being an absolute cow. Um, <laughs> I think um, I did note that um, you know obviously we didn't get very much in this match, but I thought before we did see Regal look good. You know. Um, uh, yeah, he, um, he hits and he absolutely nails a double hook suplex to the top rope on yeah. on Drozdov, which is fucking lovely. Looks tough. Um, and he follows that up with an eagle stretch, which is it's like an arm trapped STF, isn't it? That's if people aren't aware of what the move is. Um... You're, you're always right. I always consider like the best looking submissions are the submissions that look like they fucking hurt. You know what's like, man. If you're wrestling with siblings when you're younger, wrestling with the mates and stuff like that, like you. You slaps on this submission, sharpshooter, crossface. Yeah. If you've ever been in the Regal Street, <laughs> it fucking hurts. <laughs> it absolutely hurts. <laughs> it's also it's just I, personally for me, it's the the best looking submission, uh, f- uh, best oh. submission finisher. Is uh, it even topping your rings of Saturn though? It is because oh. you're working the leg, the back. The and shoulder the, and the, shoulder the neck. And <laughs> the neck. Regal stretch. Uh, so the, the rings of Saturn is just top of the body. Regal Stretch has got about everything. Uh, yeah. Also, it's a brilliant name. It, oh, what's a better sounding name, though? Regal Stretch or the Rings of Saturn? Mm. Oh, answers in a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Regal was, was slightly out of shape here. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. He has been... out of shape here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He stopped into Greg's in a way. Uh, <laughs> what I looking a bit top heavy. The um, first suppers out there, he's fully selling with cheeseburgers. Um, so he, I, I, well, I've noted there he was about shape. Uh, WF sent him to Dory Funk's training camp and all that. He sort of sort that issue out pretty soon after he arrived. Um, he would twist his ankle there like a few days before he was supposed to return, um, and then a few days later after that, he would fall and break his leg entirely. Um, during this time, Regal was sort of addicted to pain medication and Valium and stuff like that, um, which has been well documented. It's not something he's shy about, you know. Absolutely not. He he's, has he's, he's that. very open yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, it's, I think it's made him more of a uh, role model because of it, because he's like, you know, I've made mistakes, but, you know, this is how you can sort that and make sure you don't make mistakes and how you can, you know, because obviously, you know, he's a mentor nowadays um, yeah. and has been for many, many years over a lot of people coming through to the business. Um, so he would be on uh, WBF TV in the late 1998 um, with his real man's man gimmick. Um, Brilliant. Which is, Lumberjack <laughs> Regal, yes. Of course, with the infamous theme music, Lumberjack style character. Um, we saw various vignettes of him chopping down trees and, and laying bricks and doing various other manly things. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's doing his own version of the, the village people, really, is what's going on here. Yeah, uh, and he was a bricklayer in his teens, so he is a man, a real man's man. A uh, real man's man. <laughs> He would be released late in that year uh, and would check himself into rehab in January of 1999. Um, his release sort of came after he drunkenly urinated on a stewardess mid-flight, um, which is <laughs> a story that he doesn't really remember an awful lot of. He doesn't remember waking up in jail the next day. Um, not, I didn't know an awful lot about that until I did my research and thought, yeah. Christ almighty, what a shame. Um, I think he did clean himself, himself up for a while, um, but... Returning to the business, back to WCW uh, in July of 1999, this is now. Uh, time's flying by. <laughs> <laughs> WCW bash at the beach. Um, so, briefly reformed the Blue Bloods with Dave Taylor and Fit Finlay. Uh, 
this one is largely forgotten that he went back to WCW, if, if I'm being honest with you. Um, he was released in February 2000. He was very much just sort of in amongst the roster um, and rejoined the WWF. Uh, originally, he was actually sent to MCW, Memphis Championship Wrestling, um, which was a developmental territory at the time. Mm-hmm. And he had his first match with Chris Benoit at the third annual Brian Tillman Memorial Show, which is a match I would absolutely love to watch. Um, I have never seen it, but I have been recommended it and... Obviously, you read people's opinions on it. It's, it seems to be a, an incredible match. I'm sure um, that was a barn yeah. burner. Um, so, back on Raw in September uh, of 1999 as Stephen William Regal, which will, of course, later be shortened to just William Regal. Um, on October 16th, he would face Al Snow for the European Championship on Raw. First title match in WWE. Um, and that's what we would watch next. Um, just before we get started on that, did you watch the segments before this match? No. Holy moly, Stephanie McMahon looks good in purple. Mm. Moving on. <laughs> Just thought I'd drop that in there. That's an Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, obviously, this is a regal show, but fuck me, Al Snow, holy fuck. This is the best thing Al Snow has ever done in his career, right? So, back in the day, obviously, Al Snow done the kind of dressing up as the stereotype of each European nation. Mm-hmm. Um Always, always pork me. So he'd come out with like the French beret on, holding Eiffel Tower and a bag full of baguettes, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. My goodness, he just pulls out this stellar fucking English accent. He goes, <clears throat> "I say, what does everybody want?" <laughs> the crowd goes, "Head." He goes, "Smashing," and I say, "What does everybody need?" <laughs> Indubitably, and I want to hear, "What does everyone love?" Grand, pip pip, cheerio. <laughs> fucking marked out. Apologies for the shit English accent there. No, but it was, it was fucking excellent. Oh my God, man. I, I kid you not, I must have rewound that and watched that about four times. It was so funny. Um, I didn't know Alison had that in him. Holy moly. <laughs> no, it was very entertaining. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, that little segment. It was a nice treat. I'm glad I didn't just skip to the bell like I have done yeah. before. Mm-hmm. It was nice just to watch. I was, oh, I thought it was so good. Um, and, and that whole thing, you know, but being the European champion and coming out doing all the different European, I thought that was just fantastic. Um, obviously, we're in '99 here, so it's very much, yeah. you know, Pikachu. As no, well, we're, so. no, we're absolutely in 2000 here. We've, we've flew past '99. So we are. We're in 2000. Yeah, this is it. This is late 2000. Still in the dumps. There will be a flying mm-hmm. high. Um, mm-hmm. A little stuff. Oh, like absolutely. Oh, this is your, this is your lower mid card title. Yeah, it was and very tongue in cheek that, but it was very oh, it's um, fucking brilliant. We um, go in shape this time. <laughs> oh, the the facial expressions on this man came down to the ring. He is not impressed with for what he's just seen. Oh, amazing! Uh, it doesn't do his usual. Um, you know, when he gets up onto the ring apron and he will always wipe his, wipe his feet. feet. Yeah, doesn't do it here. Wow, which I find very odd. And it's the only time I can ever remember seeing him not do that. Yeah, um, but he does jump out before the bell. So fair enough. I remember when we uh, we went to a show uh, for an Edinburgh shoot, um, mm-hmm. and we actually got to go in the round, and I did it. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take our shoes off before we were in. I still did it. I was like, yeah, right. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was channeling my inner regal there. You know, respecting <laughs> that it's sacred. Um, yeah, I, I believe that is the reason he does it. He's 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 respectful. It's of very the, old school, you know. Uh, it yeah, is. it's that sort of you know you respect the, the mat, and it, you know. Um, Ring cam for as you know them in, in WWE NXT also with Volter and stuff like that. Um, that's that's what they do. They do just now. Mm. Um, Imperium. That's what they do. They sort of live that sort of that match secret, and it's a sport to them and that sort of thing. It's nice. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, something else I absolutely love is uh, Regal's neck breaker, which he calls. 
Oh, oh on the spot. Oh my. Nah, stop me. You've stopped nah, me. The Regal Cutter. Ah, very nice. It's absolutely gorgeous because um, he'll grab a hold of your arm and he'll spin you round so you're back some, and then he'll land in the neck breaker. It's just... Ah, so it's like you're sort of thinking yourself, if you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Um, He's looking a lot sharper than what he did in his debut, as you say. I was thinking He's... that he was very quick on his feet. Yes, I, th- I think it's to do. He's so more in shape than he was in his debut, so yeah, absolutely. Um, quick match, though. It was, uh, and something else as well that I kind of noticed as well, it must uh, have been a big change for him. Uh, like, seeing attendance volumes, obviously he's kind of used to the, the kind of WCW, the, the, the lesser crowds and stuff like that. It this... seems like a guy would be more suited to Japan, you know, in terms of that sort yeah. of respectful wrestling mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go into sort of a volatile crowd, if you like, you know, um, and people who expect... Um, shenanigans, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, the yeah, word, you know, yeah definitely, definitely. Um, and to be just a, a sort of clean cut, simple. Re- I'd say, I'd say, if I see how Vince McMahon might say it, a wrestler, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you know he's very much he's very wrestling rather than WWF. I think that's very looked more suited to just on the you know just here here anyway. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's specific, you know. But uh, Regal would, would win the title with the, with the Regal stretch, and I liked. How he how he poses with the title like a, like a dish towel, yeah. you know, over his arm like a butler, you know, and big chin up and big obnoxious smile with the crowd, um, just fantastic. It was, it was stuff like that. It was just really really good with Regal. You know, his, his acting and his facials are just so underrated. Definitely, just something I picked up as well in this match as well. Um, I'm not sure what they were going with uh, with the camera work, but it was rarely ever shown from the hard cam. It was like the camera was underneath the bottom rope looking up. Uh, I, just ah, found it, yeah. I, I found it very very off putting. Um, Maybe they were trying something it, different, you know. It was very kind of motion sick and just... Ah, uh, because that, that's the uh, thing when you watch TV, you know, they, they, they maybe try something different or uh, yeah. shoot it a different way because so it it's raw, you know, they're trying to maybe give that different Edge. feel to it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll always love what Rico does as well. We talked about him kind of wiping the feet. When he goes for the pinfalls, <clears throat> he'll slam his forearm into the guy's the face. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of when I think of Rico. It's a big fuck you, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> You it's, know, opt-in people complain about that when he goes back, you know, like, you fucking burnt my face with your hat yeah, for him, you know, fucking yeah. <laughs> digs it right in. But it's um, just psychology, isn't it? Even when you're going for a pinfall, you're yeah, trying to it's like, someone. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to, you know, disrupt them somewhat, you know. Um, so he, he would hot potato this title with Crash Holly um, before in, entering the 2001 Royal Rumble in a losing effort, of course. Um he would drop the belt to test on Raw the following night, and in March he would become the WF Commissioner, um, feuding with Chris Jericho. Which sort of takes us into his next match, I suppose. Um, we couldn't not do this match. Of course I know not. it's very, very soon after, but we cannot not do this match. This is uh, Regal versus Jericho from Backlash 2001. It is the infamous Duchess of Queensbury Rules match. So we get some uh, nice little vignettes through the night. Uh, through the night, it's of the Duchess reco- uh, arriving at the arena and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has got a horrible British accent, uh, and her muffin top is spilling out her dress. <laughs> uh, she said a few too many steak and kidney pies. This bird. Um, God knows where they got her from. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't really know what accent. Uh, we're going for just a bit of a back, sort of like Australian British American. You yeah, know. it's <laughs> fucking bizarre. Uh, so Queensbury is a small town, sorry, it's a small village in the town of Bradford in West Yorkshire, so the accent there is more like, you know, up the road and hey up, uh, that kind of nonsense, stuff, yeah, it's yeah. not, pasties and that. that kind of stuff, <laughs> um, 
However, I believe what they were going for was it's also a, a very, very small area uh, in the northwest of London in Harrow. Right. Uh, but if you've ever been to that side of London and in that area, you, you'll realise it is as far away from the road as you can get. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very wrong side of the tracks, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so just a point of interest. So, uh, this is very much make it up as you go along. It's so good, so good. So you've already touched on the Queensbury rules. Um, obviously, they're more associated with, with boxing. The original rules were published in 1867. Um, so to be, to, to be fair, the, the rules... Somebody's got another on that, haven't they? I have, absolutely have. Uh, they, they aren't that far away from what's followed today in pro boxing. It's very similar. You can see where the, the origins have came from. Uh-huh. Um, they were introduced as a way to kind of persuade boxers to fight, uh, quote-unquote, the right way, and not your bare-knuckle-style killing each other, like, you know, gypsy fighting, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know I mean? Uh, very, very snatch, you know what I mean? Though I was more making it about a sport rather than, you know... Pre- pretty much, aye, aye, absolutely. Um, it was more investment in the... that the athletes, if you want to call them athletes. Uh, <laughs> um, so, obviously, as you've just mentioned, the Regal is, of course, WWF commissioner here, who does a far better job than what Mick Foley ever did. Fight me. <clears throat> Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> much better than Mick Foley totally um, agree with you I'll bag yeah. you on that one <laughs> in his uh, outstanding feud with Jericho um, mm. the best authority figure there's ever been on TV he is an absolute heat magnet um, favourite part straight off the bat Jericho comes out and cuts a promo slagging off the Duchess who is obviously ringside for this one and her big plastic throne and he just you know he, he says some horrible words and the face that Regal has <laughs> is as if he just teabagged Regal's granny in yeah. front of his face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has well, got a oh big sniff of shit in it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, just uh, As soon as the camera went to him and I seen his eyes open and the, the jaw drop, I just started pissing myself laughing. And yep. I, I wasn't even paying attention to what Jericho was saying. I was just waiting on the camera going back to oh, his yeah. face, yep. you know, because I was like, <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so the match, um, fantastic chemistry between these two. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho's yeah, Frankensteiner as well. Was, was absolutely too gorgeous. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice wee kind of back and forward. Um, eventually leads to Jericho. Uh, hitting the line salt <clears throat> um, and just as he's going for the pin uh, the bell rings and everybody's kind of confused the referee pops up oh what's going on um, and the Duchess uh, informs her Finkel, that it's the end of round one <laughs> so oh, the stick here is nobody knows what the rules are apart from the Duchess sitting ringside who can just call it or oh, calls an audible every time Jericho's got up her hand oh it's just it's so fucking good man. excellent <laughs> it's, 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 what a way to get heat you know, oh, uh, every uh, time that's, that happens, you know, and the thing is as well, it's not like a quick match with loads of hijinks in it. It just comes in, it just comes up every, you know, five minutes. So yes. you're getting a match and mm-hmm. you're getting into it and you're getting drawn into the story and then fucking bit of hijinks comes up and you go, fuck, you yeah. know, and then the next bit comes up and, you know, um, I think Regal gets locked into the walls of Jericho. Yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> Regal's in the walls, uh, he taps out, clear taps out, referee rings for the bell, but nope. <laughs> the, you can't win by submission. <laughs> you cannot win by submission, so we restart. Oh, it's glorious stuff. Um, and I, I, I love that Heyman and GR are on, are on commentary for this one. 
um, and Heyman oh, is a heel he- sympathizer mm, is fucking mm, fantastic because yes. he's like he's like, I know the rules but he's like oh no, I'm not going to tell you and then as soon as something was given he's like oh I forgot to mention that yeah <laughs> submissions aren't like, it was just so good uh, it was so well done by everybody you know and it was like they all sort of went on the fly with it as well um, oh I fucking loved it <laughs> absolutely it, loved it you could, you could buy into the fact that Jericho generally had no idea what was going on yeah. it, was, it was as if Jericho didn't know what the finish was uh, absolutely brilliant um, so Regal <clears throat> Regal grabs the the Royal Scepter off the off the Duchess and absolutely smacks Jericho with uh, referee rings for the does he ring for the I can't remember if he rings the bell but, but the Duchess basically tells us there's no DQs anyway yeah it's no, so. it's no, yeah, it's no DQ um, <laughs> uh, um, so still on the outside Regal you just mentioned that his facial expressions are absolutely amazing uh, Jericho drop kicks him into the Duchess and Regal gets a face <sighs> full of Royal Muff yeah really oh, what he just comes up and he's just got that oh, horrifying right, right, right into her Jermaine Jackson fucking head of hair. <laughs> Bang, down he went. He comes up and he's like, utterly shaking and trembling. Mm-hmm. But, oh my mm-hmm. God, you know, oh, fucking... Mm. <laughs> Glorious. It's just, it's so silly, but it's good silly. It's not see, like... See, when you talk about like comedy and wrestling, this is good comedy and wrestling. Ah, yes. It's not that deliberate laugh at us. It's the... It's the oh, you know, it sort of gets you, yeah. gets you belly laughing, you know. Oh, As, I'm generally still belly laughing thinking about the match. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, so we, we get back in the ring at the point. There's actually one point uh, where Jericho goes for the walls um, before he realizes that he can't actually win with it anymore. So he sort of just kicks Regal in the bollocks. I thought I was fucking fantastic. <laughs> he sort of picks the legs up and goes, Oh, wait a minute, as he just kicks him right in the nuts because mm-hmm. uh, there's no DQs. Brilliant. Um, I think uh, so. The Duchess comes into the uh, Jericho. Jericho, uh, yeah. yeah, he rolls the Duchess into the ring and uh, tries to put her into the walls of Jericho. Uh, and Regal absolutely smashes him with a chair, uh, and that's enough for the win. Um, Regal, I see the f- ever the gentleman that he is, hits him on the back instead of the head. He comes yeah, out in the front oh. of Jericho and he still swings around for the back. Mm-hmm, Fair play. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. I, I took a note of that because I'm like, that was you know, you could tell he didn't want to fucking lamp him over the head with yes. um, it. Because most people just come in and go, ah, fuck, boom. There was no need for it, you know what I mean? It's not as if it was a blood feud. Just He just wants to get an upper hand yeah. and he just hits the exposed back. Um, an incredible fun match. Uh, an absolute whopper from start to finish. Um, just a ludicrous exploitation of power. Uh, from the commissioner here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, to- it's total gimmick, you know, and t- but it's not like, it's not like you're going, ah, oh, that was, you know, uh, but it, because you were like, it fucking it worked so well. Mm. Um, you know, the heel getting all the all the products by cheating and bending the rules on every turn because not only is he the commissioner, um, he's set out the match type and he's got somebody there who's basically making the rules for him as he goes um, and still almost, you know, almost getting cut out a few times so it makes Jericho still look good in terms of he was cheated um, but yes. also Regal gets the win in the end. Uh, fucking fantastic. Absolutely outstanding Amazing. stuff. Uh, it's, I think it's actually wrecked the grade curve for this podcast in general it's going to take something good something yeah. out of this world to talk about the thing up. is i mean match quality fantastic storyline absolutely brilliant and then you get the entertaining factors of the mm. facials and, and you know the, the, the character work in there mm. outstanding mm. the commentary great the crowd yeah. absolutely into it loving it, was, it. The comedy was there it was funny you know i said mm. that kick in the nuts when he went for the walls and you know falling into the, the, the duchess's lap uh, just fucking so uh, good in every, in every factor of wrestling, you know, in terms of, you know, that's your, that was your talent show of wrestling, you all in the one fucking match there, you know, where it had all the, all the aspects in, in the one match, that was great. Oh, I could not agree with you more, man, give me your, give me your Sean Takers, give me your, 
Foley, Triple H, Street Fights and stuff like that. All brilliant matches. This is equally as good, but for many different reasons. Yeah. And that's how objective wrestling is and how fun wrestling can be. It doesn't have to be a serious blood feud to be a good match. This is absolute fucking perfection. That's the thing. I mean, you, you know, you could have your big blood feuds on this card. See this match in here? It doesn't need that. So what does it need? And you think, oh, how can we make it entertaining? And they've just spruced it up to a degree where it fits the characters well. You know, it gets both guys over. Oh, it's fucking perfection. Go <laughs> watch this fucking match. Yes. <laughs> um, so briefly, he would become babyface through the Alliance storyline um, with his comedy sidekick, side Tajiri, um, which we covered recently in the Invasion episode. That was the last episode. Check that one out if you haven't already. Um, before later costing Angle the WWF Championship and joining the Alliance. Um, prompting ex-zombie Linda McMahon uh, to fire him from his commissioner duties only for Shane to make him the Alliance's commissioner. I don't remember an awful lot about that myself. Um, I think that happened in like, a blink of an eye. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was very, very quick that happened. I do remember this part, however. Um, the Alliance were conquered at Survivor Series in 2001 and Regal became the first member of Vince McMahon's Kiss My Ass Club. Um, kissing, the, kissing the Botsman's big bare ass in order to keep his job in the WWF. Um, what a trooper. What a pro. Oh, fair play. <laughs> um, it's one of those things, you know, where it's like, all right, it's a bit of fucking, you know, bullshit, but consider on the time and, you know, it was over. <laughs> it was, you yeah, know, let's make the heel yeah. kiss the boss's ass. I mean, yeah. What, you know, it's not um, as if you're not going to keep Regal around. You know, I mean, obviously they get rid of Heyman, but uh, they get rid of Heyman from commentary. But you're yeah. not going to get rid of. Regal I mean, if, and if you want to see an example of Regal's facials and stuff, oh, amazing! Yeah, go and watch that because he he's kissing. He's like, you know, after his kisses, he's like, you know, spitting. Fucking trying to taste out his mouth and he's disgusted with himself. You know, top top three Regal expressions ever. Vince kiss my ass club. Takes a muff dive on the Duchess. And when Jericho pushes in his tea, <laughs> that's that's the that's the great right there. Fucking <laughs> brilliant. Um, so he would go on to win the Intercontinental Championship. Easy for me to say. Uh, at the 2002 Royal Rumble, beating Edge, um, and this is where the brass knuckles gimmick came in. So the old power of the punch. So Regal used to hide brass knuckles in his trunks. Um, he used to. Take it out and the ref wasn't looking, punch the guy, call it the power of the punch as if he had this you mm-hmm. know, un- unearthly gift to knock people out. Yep. Of course, it was the knuckles doing the job for him. Um, I thought <laughs> it was such an ideal gimmick, it suited him so well, um, and would never really be repeated in terms of how flashy it was. I mean, it's, it's so simple, yep. but it worked so fucking well. And it didn't get stale because obviously the referee started to catch on to him, so they used to, so they, they always used to like check his trunks and check his boots and check his knee pads. But the, the knocks are they're hidden in the ring post, they're hidden in the turnbuckle pad. Uh-huh. Fucking brilliant! <laughs> you find always finding a way around it, even though yes. when he's getting cut out, he was always finding a way around it. Fucking yeah. excellent. Um, he would defend the title successfully against Edge at No Way Out in a brass knuckles on a pole match. Russo contacts his lawyers at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he would uh, drop the title at WrestleMania 18 in the opening match to RVD. Um, so this was actually the first um, show that I watched. Um, so that technically Regal was... He, he broke my wrestling virginity uh, yeah. in terms of the first match that I'd watched at uh, WrestleMania 18. So uh, I thought that was very, very... A fun point to note, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. He's, he also opened up uh, previous years. He also opened up X7 uh, with an incredible... Jericho, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, IC title on the line. Incredible match. Yeah. Um, definitely one of the higher points. But... Fantastic stuff. 
There's too um, many to name. <laughs> too many. Um, we've, we've, and that's the thing as well. We've sort of cherry-picked the matches that we want yeah, to watch because we've watched some of these ones before and we thought, let's watch something different, you know, yep, and yep. Um, take a different take and a different part of his career. Um, so in Vince McMahon's pursuit of ruthless aggression, uh, the inaugural WWF draft lottery took place uh, and we go be drafted to the Raw brand. Uh, we food briefly with Spike Dudley and have a love interest in Molly Holly, who was being portrayed as a virgin at the time. Um, just done watching this era, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if it uh, was believable, it would be Molly Holly. Thank <laughs> uh, no. you, Molly. Um, ah, I love Molly Holly. It's brilliant. So they would, he would hold uh, the European title back and forth. Um, I think he actually held it four times in the end after uh, dropping the title to Jeff Hardy. And the title would be retired later on that year. He also held the hardcore title at times um, when that was very much in its later sort of spell as well yeah, I think that would yeah. be disbanded the same year um, yeah they're all unified together yeah, yeah. ah yeah, um, on, yeah so he would join the Un-Americans uh, with Test, Christian and Lance Storm pulling stunts like attempting to burn the American flag and slate America whenever they could yeah, that's one of the best spots actually when they try and burn the flag in Kane returns um, if you remember that one yeah, 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 all yeah. That mm-hmm. yeah fantastic mm-hmm. they were a top people stable at the time getting genuine heat and I think they got like, complaints yep. on the network and stuff yep. like that for some of the stuff they were saying and doing. Um, America. Yeah, not quite Heart Foundation, but very, very close to it. <laughs> <laughs> so we would see Test drift off on his own. Christian would pair up with Jericho, so that left Regal and Storm to fend for themselves. Uh, so Storm used to go down with the Canadian flag, Regal the British flag. They won the tag team titles together on Raw. Um, they were sort of portrayed as Bischoff's henchmen, or, you know, Chief Morley sort of used them to solve their issues. And um, so they're sort of, you know, two of the top heels on the brand at the time. Uh, sort of, this is going to early 2003. Um, they would have their last match together at No Way Out 2003. I've just watched this on my own, um, obviously throughout the time that I've been watching uh, the last few while. Regal got visibly knocked out and concussed in that match against the Dudley, uh, sorry, against Kane and RVD. Um, visibly, Kane put him down, smacked his head. It was totally out of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and in the lead up to this match, he'd been having problems. He had a high heart rate, trouble sleeping and stuff like that. And after the concussion he got in this match, his health issues got worse. Uh, consulted a doctor and it turned out he contracted a heart parasite. We all seen him as in India. Um, very, very serious issue. Um, I, keep, I kept him out for an entire year um, so he could recover. It basically means that your heart's not beating in rhythm with each other. So his left side wasn't keeping up his right or mm-hmm. vice versa, you know. Um, very, very serious stuff. Um, yeah, and I think if he hadn't mm-hmm. actually went and seen about it, he would probably not be with us, and that's genuinely how serious yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so glad he, glad he was all good, and he, he got himself sorted out. Um, that must have been an absolutely petrifying thing to suffer from, you know. To, um, it's something he didn't really realise he'd had, you know. It was just sort of there, and luckily he was able to kick it. So he would return uh, on April 4th, 2004, so just after WrestleMania, um, and would be appointed by Eric Bischoff as the guardian of his nephew, Eugene, um, and would become one of my favourite ones of, of Regal um, at this time. I was fully tuned into WWE at this time. and um, He became a babyface and cut the promo of his life on Triple H um, regarding oh. Eugene, which is... So we've watched. I've watched this about ten times in the last little while. I posted it on Twitter and everything. I just thought it was absolutely fucking unbelievable. It was um, me, sunshine! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how foolish of you to take advantage of a disadvantaged boy. It's so good. Uh, well, just let's just dissect the promo. Um, so Regal obviously comes out. <coughs> Regal, uh, Eugene get involved in a match Triple H, costing the title the week before. How that happened, oh, fuck knows, and who cares? Triple H in the title scene. Whoa, there's fucking shocking. You. Um, so Regal comes out and basically says, yeah, it was fucking, it was me, it was me to dealt with, it was me to set it up, wish a problem, to come, come, come fight me instead. Uh, talks about their history in uh, WCW, <clears throat> that he was his uh, mentor. 
Yeah. Talks about if it was anyone else rather than Eugene, he would applaud his villainous ways, which I thought was a that was that line. was the first that was a brilliant bit because he was like, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about WCW and he says, you know, some of us like you and I were just born naughty, you know, ah, so it's like we're always bad guys. Mm-hmm. You took advantage of a disadvantaged boy, which is a fantastic line. And it was like, who do you think who would be so foolish to let Eugene into the arena last week? And that's when he dropped that. It was great sunshine and the crowd just fucking pop. And it was like, oh my god, it's probably the most it's. The most aggressively polite promo. That's the thing, because he's like, So if you want to fight, <laughs> I will gladly go change into my ring attire and I will meet you back in that ring. <laughs> you know? So good. It was like so it was good. it was so intense, but it was also he never he never frayed from his character. You know, he never no. just became a, mm. a hard dirty bastard. He was still posh. <laughs> yes. Yes indeed. Still get the hand behind the back, just lifting the waistcoat up slightly. Very royal. Um and what oh, what's the killer line? It's I'll fight you with Every drop of venom that runs through my veins. Yeah. Oh, William. Oh, what are you doing to me, man? <laughs> ah, no, that was utterly fantastic, that promo. Um, so, um, we tagged tag with Eugene for a while, quite a strange sort of duo, if you like. But, um, he has had some strange partners in his time. It gets worse. So uh, Eugene would be injured, so he would, he would sidestep from him, drop the titles, um, and then we'd team up with old pal Tajiri, won the titles back in February and had dropped them in May. Um, he would then be drafted to SmackDown and compete in some mid-card matches before being paired with Jack Sparrow doppelganger Paul Burchill. Um, I don't know if he's a resident pirate. So ultimately, they were unsuccessful. Uh, he would join King Booker's court as a town crier, um, which I, I love the King Booker stuff actually. I love to, you know, if we do pick Booker T stuff, that'd be absolutely fantastic yeah. to get mm-hmm. a bit of that. Um, but it was the old sort of the King's coach, so he was a town crier, somebody was a jester, you know. Um, teamed up with his old pal Finley for a while before he had to, he was forced his hand into a match against Finley at American Bash 2006. Um, also, 2005, 2006, uh, which we watched. Um, yes, so we basically, did. Teddy Long, Bobby Lashley couldn't compete, so Teddy Long puts the two guys who are both heels um, and both pals against each other. Hmm. Um, very villainous of you, Teddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. Obviously, so last season in the ring with, with Teddy cutting this promo, um, and Finley and Real come out together and they just blank Bobby Lashley. They just walk right past them. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love that. Yep. Um, JBL's <clears throat> classiest comment. Um, so basically what's wrong with Lashley is that he has got elevated enzymes, which is uh, something to do with the liver. JBL's comment, I've got a liver like Jake Roberts and I've never had elevated enzymes. You cunt. What a fucking comment to make in 2006 regarding Jake Roberts drinking problems. What a scumbag. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> I've never been... More appalled listening to sort of commentators. Well, to be fair, you'd absolutely expect it for that, cunt, wouldn't you? I was gonna say, who else? Um, yeah, would say something like that. Um, obviously, fucking master of psychology, Regal, he's tag team partner Finley, he knows how it works, he knows him inside out. He's also got the wherewith- wherewithal to check under the ring for Hornswog before the match mm. starts. Ah, that was good, that was that was very, very nice. Ah, you know, he, he knows what he's all about. Um, and he I like the. the- tricks, yeah. I like the sort of, you know, the bill of drawing, they're sort of looking at each other like, oh, you know what, I don't need this. But then the competitiveness within Finlay, and he's like, tries to roll them up as he tries to go to the ring, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, because it's like, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they're both very competitive guys, you know? Yeah. And first and foremost, I mean, the heel versus heel dynamic doesn't he very, doesn't he, he does see an awful lot, you know? 
No, no. So you need to like. Uh, would you say then Regal went as a default face here when Regal tried to roll up his teammate? I think that's kind of how it had to be. I, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd say Finlay was a default baby face because of the leprechauns. <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, Finlay does uh, a ridiculous twisting headstand to get out of a simple kind of heel lock. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Fucking bruised. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just pull that one with it. Oh, amazing. Um, ah, GBL man, he's the loudest commentator. Insufferable. <laughs> and it's, he's just shouting garbage. Oh, Absolutely. But you know what? Like, in terms of being a prick heel commentator, it works really well with some of the Booker T stuff. Because I remember when Booker T used to come down and he would just pure preach through the whole entrance. Yeah. Um, and that worked really well, but there was times where he was just fucking insufferable. And I was like, oh, get off my fucking screen. It was very, <laughs> very off putting. Very, very off putting. Um, not, not a whole lot to talk about in this match. Quite a slow paced technical yeah, match, isn't it's it? Your, it is. It's your standard stiff match between the two of them. Um, they're always going to have that. Uh, the one thing I will say that it wasn't, though, was boring. Uh, crowd chanting, boring. The fuck's that all about? Yeah, um, I, I think that, I think you can only give them a pass in terms of it was heel versus heel and the sort of neighbourhood yeah. cheer. So you can kind of understand the sitting um, on your hands thing and being interested, you know. Um, I'm going to give I'm going to give ten out of ten for Michael Cole uh, covering, saying that the crowd is chanting boring because oh they wanted Lashley they wanted Lashley in the yeah. match oh, fucking hell well done Michael you yeah. uh, can be quite good sometimes I mean no spouting shite facts about the dots of Blackpool and stuff Vince isn't entirely an easier turn I might say <laughs> you know <laughs> um, uh, we'll just go to the finish shall we um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of shenanigans will so we'll go through um, uh, yeah okay, that's that's pretty much it so Regal yeah. gets caught in the apron Um mm-hmm. Finley beats him down a wee bit. Um, and when he emerges from the... So he's sort of straddling the apron. Yeah. <laughs> one leg under the apron. Mm-hmm. Thing. When he comes up, he's missing a boot. Um, referee's distracted. Hornswoggle hands the boot to Finley. Uses that as a weapon to get the win. So it's kind of like Hornswoggle wins the match by stealing uh, the boot and passing it to Finley um, to give him the retention of the US title. Um, and he uses the ropes for good measure as well. <laughs> on the fifth yeah. Uh, bit, of, bit of bollocks I thought they wanted to see um, but you know the usual kind of regal selling the facials like only he can so yeah. I quite liked watching it but I know I understand why people maybe wouldn't have at the time either um, I said, but I, I did like the who can cheat more than the other guy sort of thing I did like that I thought that should have been plenty even more um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. that should have been guys the, trying to be upper, yeah. upper hand in each other mm-hmm. with heel tactics it would have become that sort of Guerrero thing where actually cheating becomes cool Um yes. I like that idea. Um, so the, the, the whole uh, Booker T, sort of King Booker's sort of court thing was short-lived. Um, after having enough of being walked over, he, he would bring in his old buddy Dave Taylor and they would uh, be walked over in the tag division. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once again, once again, these two, you know, teamed up together, it seemed to be the go-to, you know, oh, just give another Englishman. Um, yeah. This time on WWE TV, of course. Uh, just the tag, the tag titles on SmackDown. Dave Taylor got injured, so that held back any success they may have had. But I think it's safe to say his SmackDown run was quite underwhelming at this point. Yeah. Um, in 2007, he was drafted back to Raw and became the Raw GM. Um, he'd been involved in quite a lot of storylines actually at the time, including John Cena and Randy Orton's 3,000 match feud, um, Vince McMahon and his illegitimate son angle with Hornswoggle, and of course Triple H's feud with Ric Flair, which was pretty good at the time actually, if I remember correctly. Um, 
he was through with Triple H and Randy Orton in early 2008 before winning the King of the Ring that year. Um, mm. Quite a forgotten moment in this, because it was actually, it wasn't like a pay-per-view or a special, it was it was part of Raw, it was yeah. one of the Raw Super Shows, it was like three of the long ones, and he was, it was part of it, so, but on the night, um, I believe he beat CM Punk in the final. Punk in the final, yeah. Uh, Finlay and uh, Hornswoggle, just for good measures for being a hero <laughs> at one point, um, but... It's, a lot of people it sort of get swept under the carpet and people really don't really remember it because it was quite brief. Um, Obviously well, being the big regal man that I am, I remember yeah. it fondly. <laughs> um, and again, I just remember um, yeah, just he was doing nothing. He was sitting on the throne just with this like so evil glare on his face, man. I'm like, oh, boy, that's brilliant. Like, I don't know if this is just maybe an absolute mark for regal, but he's, he's literally doing nothing, but he was telling such a good story. Yeah. But less is more. <laughs> uh, you know what, mate? It absolutely is. Um, or sometimes can be. In this case, it absolutely was. Yeah. Uh, he's just sitting, staring at the crowd, staring in the ring. Because uh, obviously, he'd obviously cheated to to win the match against Punk. <clears throat> Good stuff. Good, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, a few weeks later, he was suspended for 60 days and written off TV for the second failure of the wellness policy. I'm not sure <laughs> if this was the one that was part of the um, the old steroid clear-out um, with Mr. Kennedy and stuff like that. I think nine, 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 nine guys or so were involved in that one. I'm not sure if he was part of that one. Um, I think he was maybe caught up the first... That's what gave him his 30-day... Right. Oh, you and, could be right, actually. Then, that was like 2007, actually, wasn't it? So. I think he got done for pills again. Yeah. So. So second failure. I think after this point he did clean up. Um, but oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Upon his return as a free agent, he would lose a match to CM Punk, who was world champion at the time. So fair enough. Um, and he was feuded with Jamie Noble over the love interest of Layla. What a bizarre time. Uh, <laughs> he would eventually squash Santino in November of the uh, in the UK rather, um, winning his second Intercontinental Championship. Um, and then he would feud with CM Punk over this title. Obviously, at the time, it's not the CM Punk you remember. Maybe from the summer of Punk, it was more gothic, long hair, gothic Punk. Um, Scrawny looking dirty bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they had a bit of a feud, and it would culminate at a no DQ match on Raw um, January 19th, um, 2009, that is. Uh, so we watched this one. Uh, Did you see the segment before this? Uh, what was it? Stephanie looks damn fine and black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, she's um, she's belittling Randy Orton at the back. Of course, ah, of course she is. <laughs> with a big, big man sized grapefruits. Um, uh, the fucking pop of the crowd when this match was announced by Lillian Garcia. Oh, ho, ho, we in Chicago, Chief. Here, here comes time. the second city saint. <laughs> Fuck me! What a oh, the crowd are rabid for him. Um, Mm. Comes out with the Chicago colours on the flag, you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, that's punk. This is, of course, no Rigo. <laughs> if you're not keeping up. Um, no, well, Rigo's a champion at the time. Yeah, but so crowd punk... fully in punk's favour. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so he brings out his wee, uh, his wee Chicago flag, does his couple of laps of the ring, uh, and out comes the champ, uh, accompanied by his uh, fellow countrywoman, Layla. Yeah. Uh, I always think she's overlooked as a talent. Uh, I thought she was. F- Pretty solid in the ring. She had a nice wee run with McGool, as uh, a local thing. In terms of divas at that time, I thought she was one of the better ones. I'd agree. Um, yeah. Not so much here, but uh, definitely in terms of I that stuff with Michelle McGool is, is what I remember her for. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think she played the valley pretty well. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, there's not much you can take of note of it. You know, um, I think it's just because I think it's just because they're both English, so it's just instant chemistry. 
Yeah, uh, or, or, or instant racism, uh, you know. Uh, she's also fucking hot. Um, <laughs> she she was a diva search winner, wasn't she? She was, yeah, she was in the diva search. I don't know if she was won it. Was it 06 maybe or something like that, 05, 06? Uh, uh, I, I think she won it, I think she won it. Okay. Um, I think... I, I, yeah, I think I think she won it because I think when she, she got to like one, one of the shows one day and it was like, oh, you had to be initiated into the divas division and they just fucking threw her in the shower and stuff like that. Um I remember, I, was, I remember being like, who the fuck's that? <laughs> you know, first mm. time round, and I'm like, oh, that's who it is. It's that one. You can um, tell we do a lot of research for these. Big time. Podcasts. I mean, big time, especially about Layla. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, no DQ match. Uh, Rigo's in his 40s here at this point, so not exactly prime Rigo anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Punk controls early on with missions, but obviously no DQ, so he doesn't need to release the hole when Rigo's on the ropes, which I thought was fantastic. Yes. Um, Leo distracts Punk, which allows Regal to take control. And he does uh, kick in Punk's, Punk's head in the ring. Oh, which fucking, was fucking excellent. Oh, my goodness. He was like, fuck you, you know? And it's not like that case when you get in the ring post nowadays. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he gets melty then. <laughs> excellent. One. Um, mm-hmm. Regal's full Nelson bomb, slamming Punk onto his noggin for a two count. He fuck me. just gets away without breaking his neck. Oof. And I mean, just about. Ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. Sore one. Um, my noggin. Uh, <laughs> Punk managed to get the GTS and pins Regal for the win in his hometown. Give us a new champion um, on TV, like the good old days. Uh, yes. I like this match. Kept a really good pace. Um, you know, yes. uh, Punk could go with him at this point. But I did mm-hmm. see some miscommunications here or there, you know, some hesitation maybe because it hadn't worked too well together, uh, too much together rather. But. Not flawless, but I thought it was fucking sound, you know. It was, and we've not given much of a description of the match. I think, I think we've actually undersold it uh, as how good a match it actually was. Um, very, very hard-hitting. And, um, you know, obviously, <clears throat> Punk's been world champion twice by this point. But, you know, they were very... They were very hot and cold on him, weren't they? You yeah. know, it was kind of like, they kind of seen it and then they didn't see it. You know, I think that was... Part and parcel with what Punk, especially at this stage, you know, they sort of they knew he had it, yeah. but it was like they didn't want to admit it. However, this is the sort of match that makes Punk a made man, uh, in my opinion. Like he doesn't need to be in the big, the big, the big time main events or anything like that. He just he had an absolutely solid match. It was a culmination of a brilliant story. Um, obviously, they were trading, they traded DQ victories, losses back and forth, back and forth, back and forward. And just this this quality blow off match in Chicago, yeah. And there was a, there was you know there was a slugfest in there as well. I mean they were throwing oh, hands. Well, it was, absolutely, it was serious. You know, was... um, yeah. I, I, I did another slightly. You know, it was a, a fantastic match. I would I would recommend it. Um, you know, and, and I think Rico had actually said at that point, you know, that was some of the best stuff he'd done was getting in there with Punk mm-hmm. because he, you know, he felt like Punk could, I don't want to say carry the work rate, but, you know, but do that side of the match where Regal really focused on the psychology of it and, and yes. built a good a good story between the two of them. Uh, so that was uh, January 19th, 2009 uh, episode of Raw, if you wanted to catch that match. Um, would recommend, I'm sure you would as well, sure. Fantastic oh, stuff. 100%, 100%. Uh, so Layla would be drafted to SmackDown, leaving Regal all alone on Raw. Um <laughs> Battle for the US title Extreme Rules in 2009, which we have reviewed in our archives. If you're interested in that one, check that show out. <laughs> uh, kind of get a wee plug here on there, sure. <laughs> uh, and June, he was drafted to the ECW brand and would have some early involvement with Tommy Dreamer before forming a stable called the Ruthless Roundtable. Did yep. you any members of that? <laughs> uh, yes, I absolutely could. Uh, that would include William Regal, uh, 
one Ezekiel Jackson and one uh, Vladimir Kozlov. Well done. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so they would, they would feed with Christian uh, in many losing efforts, legal chance for the ECW title, um, and would eventually assist Ezekiel Jackson to becoming the final ECW championship, Paul Heyman. Uh, was very very pleased with that. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> the, oh yes. The, the, EC, the WWE ECW was cancelled and replaced with NXT, and Regal would remain a part of that brand. Uh, and some lower card feuds early on, helping build up the talent there. Probably did a hell of a lot more behind the scenes than you would realise as well at the time, especially in its new beginnings. Um, I think uh, you know the, the old WWE ECW was very very late to the party on that one. I mean, this was 2009. It only been going for a couple of years then. Um, ECW Championship was mentioned there. It had, you know, matches against CM Punk when he was a world champion. Um, I'm just going to say it now, of course, people will always probably put Regal in there as Mr. World Champion that wasn't there. Or, you know, that, that obviously the first British world champion thing was something that we've always concerned ourselves with. Yeah. Obviously, Drew McIntyre has now done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the two names that come up before are definitely Regal and British Bulldog, David Boy Smith. I think David Boy probably had more of the tools than Regal did in, at in terms of the era that he was there. Um, yeah, because he had, the big, he had the big physique. Yeah, at the time where yeah. that was in. <laughs> yeah, um, it was the style at the time. Did, did, did Regal get in his own way? Uh, self-admittedly, I think he's always said that um, yeah. he was his own worst enemy. Um, could, I mean, I, I, know, I, know, I know what your answer is going to be if I said to you, could Regal have been a world champion? The answer is going to be yes. I mean, um, that's just... Of course, I, I, of course yeah, it's just it's, it's 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 one of those ones. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people say, well, a lot of people could have been world champion, you know. But in terms of having all the tools, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, you know. Um, I just, just, I just been, you know, you see that obviously, I feel like they won that title, and especially at this stage in his career. I mean, he's by no means at, at the top of his game here, you know. Um, I'd certainly see you know when he first came in, sort of, well, sort of second time he came in, you know, the old three, old four time even. Um, he was probably better off then. Um. And maybe pushing for that, but certainly as that heel, that snobby heel guy, he probably could have had a run, maybe a short run, but he could have had a run there. Um, Absolutely. But, if Triple H wasn't even monopolising the division. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Between that, you know, I mean, at that time, the main event scene was was quite was quite weak. I mean, well, not to say weak, but it wasn't exactly. Um, it wasn't thick. You know what I mean? It was fucking. Yeah, it wasn't Armageddon. Armageddon. No, no, it absolutely was <laughs> yeah. not. It was Cena versus Orton versus Triple H. Yeah. Um, Batista and Undertaker dropping in and out here and there. Well, but... they were on SmackDown for the world title. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of Raw, where he was, I mean, he's the perfect heel for anyone to go up against. Do you think that's maybe part of the problem as well? That he was, you know, maybe he was, he was better for a champion to run through him than be the champion putting baby faces down I mean I agree to some extent but depends who you ask isn't it I mean, it, it does but you see guys of lesser talent holding the belts I mean my will always be drawn to fucking GBL yeah fuck yeah <laughs> you, you know what I mean like yeah. someone as talentless as him holding a title for fucking a record hundreds and hundreds of days and this, this guy here with all the tools can't even get a one title run with the, with the big belt. And barely have a title match, to be fair, either, you know. I mean, has he ever wrestled that... for the main belt? I don't think he has. No. Certainly not in WWE. Not, not a WWE title, no. Yeah. Um, so, 
Uh, he would feud down in, in NXT with guys like Dean Ambrose that was coming through at the time. Um, but his final match aired on Christmas Day in 2013, and what a lovely Christmas gift we received on that day. <laughs> um, NXT taping against Cesaro. Um, just wasn't making this one short. Take over. <laughs> so I'm going to split this into four wee kind of a mini segments here. So we get... <laughs> We get the, the, this is this has got a big time fight feel for it, so they're building to this match from the beginning of the episode. Um, so we get a Cesaro promo first. Uh, he basically just talks about you know the the tremendous respect that he has for Regal. Um, says that he has mirrored him throughout his career, uh, and he calls him one of the best technical wrestlers ever. So you know, obviously, big time respect here um, coming from the heel. Uh-huh. So you can absolutely appreciate that. Um, uh, next up, we go to the Regal promo. He um, he addresses his career, uh, and we've just kind of talked about this. He states that he, it's probably his own fault that he never made it to the top. Um, he always battling his own demons. Um, I've watched this promo a good couple of times without actually having watched the match. Yeah, I have it, as well. It sends goosebumps down your spine. He just it, like, it feels real, you know. It like, does, and he's he's so humble yeah. at this point. It's, and to me, you know, it's not just the word, the verbiage of it. It's 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 the delivery. Yeah. You know, um, he's had that for a long while. You know, where he's had that ability to not just convey words beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know. But as I said, it's the delivery of them. It's and as you know, we touched on with that Triple H Eugene promo, which is on YouTube. You can find that as well. Mm. Um, but in this one in particular, you know, it felt a little bit more out of character to a degree, but yes. still very much within the realm of who he is. Yes, um, so and what it, he's been like in the past in terms of being that villainous character. You know, so this is a promo that kind of rounds off his career. We've seen him as the absolute bastard heel from, you know, I mean, the early 90s, and he has suddenly turned into this uh, character that has got a lot of empathy. And, you know, he's looking back on his career and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it just goes to show that he did have that in him. He, he could have turned face at the drop of a pin if he wanted to, and he could have made yeah. it work. But he didn't, because he's a natural heel. Um, just rounding off the promo, he kind of re-delivers the Triple H promo again, you know what I mean? I'll fight you with every uh, drop of venom that runs through my veins. Yeah. It's always brilliant, just in a different setting here. Uh, he goes on to put over Cesaro big time. Um, he says that it pains him to know that even on my best day, talking about himself, that Cesaro will be 10 times a wrestler that Regal ever was. And if the, if this is to be his final match, then there's no one, uh, there's no one he would rather go out fighting against. Fucking hell, Cesaro getting the Cesaro getting the the big bump here. Mm. So <clears throat> finally, we move on to the match. Um, we've got about there's twenty five minutes left in the show. Uh, the Fink does the introductions, which I, what a classic thing to do. Yeah. Matt Fink will go down in NXT. Um, Cesaro's out first. He's doing his uh, We the People gimmick with Jack Swagger and mm-hmm. Zeb Coulter. Liked the gimmick, didn't think it suited Cesaro. Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, just a toddler could tell you it didn't suit Cesaro because yeah. he's not a fucking American to start yeah. with, you know, but exactly. no, it did not suit him at all. It doesn't make sense. Um, and But if we're talking about, you know, I mean, biggest shames, like, Cesaro man, he's, just, he's never found a gimmick that he can use. Uh, the, the bar stuff with Sheamus was good, but that's yeah. not really a 
character. That's just fucking ass. A catchphrase and uh, looking uh, good. And the final part of <laughs> things that are a shame, uh, Regal's final match is only in front of a crowd of 400-odd people. Yeah, my thoughts are exactly where, you know, this is definitely, you know, SmackDown or Raw worthy. Um, if not... Hell, even a fucking pay-per-view, you yeah. know. Um, be pay-per-view fucking opener or just throw it in the middle somewhere, give, you, give them 20 minutes and give Regal a send-off, you know, I mean... 100%, 100%. Um, obnoxious crowd chance to begin with. Um, of course he's still fucking got it. He's only in his late 40s, like... But that, yeah, I think that's the thing, though, because he's been there for... It's not he's been there for so long, but, I mean, we're now 20 years past his debut in America at this point, you know, so 20 years in the States, it's fucking pretty good going, you know? Uh, you, nah, nah, you, you throw that chant at people like fucking flare at 16. Yeah, oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, I agree with the chant or anything like that. Um but I can, I, I can see, I can see that whole, you know, like it feels like he's been around for a long while, um, yeah. and I think obviously that people knew it was going to be, I wouldn't say they knew it was going to be his last match, but they knew it was very, very late on, and it was a mm-hmm. big match, so it was kind of like, you know, um, let's see if he can still hang with this young up and coming blue chipper or whatever, you know, but mm-hmm. fucking you, man, he can, he can definitely still go. Um, yeah, but I, I, I know he can. I don't need to hear it for the crowd. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> So what was he getting the wrestling here? Um, so there's a nice wee kind of a start here. Um, they both fight for a top risk control. And uh, <laughs> it actually lasts through the first ad break and they've still not relinquished risk control, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, some nice Christmas exchanges coming back from the break. Uh, <laughs> Regal does a sort of, um, sort of like the old surfboard move. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, master psychology, Regal keeps his shoulders off the mat. Because that would be a pinfall, and he's just the best. Uh, so this kind of a back and forward wrestling um, comes to an absolute abrupt halt when Cesaro takes out his right leg with a chop block. Uh, so we're, we're now into WWE wrestling here. Mm-hmm. Um, what other match does that? Oh, it absolutely! It, it was a match of two halves. You know what I mean? Um, it was a nice slow build uh, wrestling. Then we get into the the sports entertainment, as it were. Um, Cesaro puts in the Brock lock. Pop for that big time. As you knew I would. I know for a yeah. fact you've seen that and thought, oh, he's going to love that. Uh, <laughs> so it's the old uh, uh, wrestler's um, you know, his leg over the neck, behind the neck. Just hanging off of it, that's yeah. Fucking, and I mean, it's like using your own body weight against you there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, what, exactly. that's what I like about that move. It's, mm. it's very much, you know, I'll just hold you here and you can do the work because you just jiggle you in. <laughs> yeah. You know, put strain on your own leg. On your own, your own leg so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the part I was waiting for coming up. Um, they start to trade uppercuts because obviously Regal's known for his European uppercuts that are quite stiff, yeah. as is Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro <laughs> gets the best of this exchange, a fucking flattened Regal with an uppercut. I've always thought um, uh, Cesaro's uppercuts were phenomenal. You know? mm-hmm. um, Especially this, when he does the torpedo uh, yeah. uppercut off the, he bounces off the middle rope, fucking smashes Amazing, absolutely amazing. Um so the crowd start to get behind Regal, and it is at this point where I change my opinion on what I said during the promo segment. Uh, I could not dig Regal as a face. It 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 just doesn't look right. See when he's when he's trying to get the crowd on, he said, you know, obviously when they're trying to make their comeback, they're slamming them up with their foot and they're trying to get a clap going. Yeah. It 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 just doesn't, it doesn't suit him. Doesn't suit Regal at all. Um, 
so I'm I'm going to have to say that I've contradicted myself there, and I wouldn't like to see him as a face. Uh, having had a wee glimpse of it in an actual match setting, mm-hmm. nah, it's, it's not for me at all. Um, so we'll go we'll go home here. Uh, Regal's been absolutely worn down. He's he's grabbing at knee pads. He's grabbing at his arrows, trying to make it to his feet. Yeah, try to get a wee bit of babyface fire, uh, but he's got absolutely nothing left. Um, they kind of go into the HBK and Flair finish, where uh, <laughs> uh, Cesaro, he just doesn't want to end it. He's kind of uh, in two minds, whether he wants to get Regal up or he wants to put him away. Um, obviously, fucking master of character here, Cesaro. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> uh, flips the switch and he just uh, he breaks out the, the gotch neutralizer and uh, that's all she wrote for uh, Mr. Regal. Gets his shoulders pinned to the mat for the three count and we have a winner. Uh, big time showing of respect from the crowd. Big time applause. Yeah. I think um, it's nice to have a nice bow out match, you know. And, and... Of course it is. Of course it is. You get on your back. A lot of people don't get to have that final match you know sometimes it just that happens without them knowing it because mm-hmm. maybe they get an injury or yep. you know or, or they're, they're too far down the pecking order or too far on in their career in terms of physically to actually hold up yep. um so i think you know he did it at the right time i think he he was smart enough to know that um that probably you know he still had a he good match in him mm-hmm. but if he, he kept had... going he maybe wouldn't have had that great match in him and and exactly and i think he realized that he had more to give in uh a trainer role. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of uh, brings me on to my question for you, Mark, is um, where, where would you like to, obviously, where he is just now, Regal, mm-hmm. um, where would you like to see him in the future? Would you, would you, ha- would you have him, would you bring him back as, oh, sorry, would you have him kept as like um, an on-air personality GM, like as an NXT, or would you just, Totally take him off TV and a trainer role. I think he's very good in that role that he's in just now, and I think you know yeah. it's quite a safe role. He's, he's not he's not there very often. You yeah. know, he's only really it's not like you know on WWE TV on Raw that you know you get thirty figures used to be there every yeah, fucking not... week and taking up ten segments yes. on the show. Yes. You know, he's there maybe once every five weeks to announce a match or mm-hmm. you know to 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 settle a dispute and set up a match before these people or you know or, you know to make announcements here and there. That's really all he's used for. Um, so it's quite minimal. I think he's, he's on screen position. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, backstage, I think he's, he's director of talent development and glo- and head of global recruitment. That's yeah. where I'd keep him. Yeah. You know. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of actually developing talent, it's got to be in there because of how fucking good he was at doing it himself. And, you know, and to, not just passing on the, the in-ring knowledge, but the, the entirety of knowledge that he has, especially in the entertainment side of things, you know, being incredibly entertaining and knowing how much that gets you, how far that gets you in the business. Um, you know, he's not like, you know, if you maybe sent down there somebody um, who was just a pure worker, um, but very little to give. In the, I mean, I don't know, Billy Kidman is a road agent, for example, you know, um, guys like that who maybe they're a bit short on that hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Regal, I mean, he was fucking good at it all. So I couldn't imagine a better guy to hand that down to. But in terms of global recruitment, and you've seen, obviously, the NXT UK stuff, um, especially the original tournament and stuff like yeah. that, I think he had a big hand on picking the talent for that. And, and uh, I mean, I know there's a full team of scouts nowadays, and it's not very hard to find people with the amount of videos that are online and stuff like that, but... I think in terms of probably picking who the next guys could be, I think he's probably a really good eye for that. Um, yeah, I think talent sees talent. I think I think that would be a fair assessment. Yeah. 
I, I think he's so. I mean, in terms of where I would keep him, I think he's fucking perfectly mm. suited as to where he is just now. I mean, would, would you change anything yourself? Or? Um, I would maybe. I would like to see him. This is just from a selfish perspective, though. I'd, I'd, I would like to see him as uh, like a, a manager, like a stable leader or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? I think that'd be really, really good to see. I like. Um, I like him maybe bringing in, you know, the old sort of posh British as a stable. You know, maybe like you know, like the Kingsman movie. Um, You've got the guys cutting about in suits and stuff like yeah. that, you know, Oxford's not brogues, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see him, you know, in the sort of um, thing with Farrell <laughs> position, you know, sort of the head honcho and uh, letting all yeah, these guys I mean, go and do his work for him. I can definitely see that sort of yeah. thing working well. Like, um, basically what Flair done for Evolution. Ah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing. But, um, I think, you know, adopting that sort of Englishness would be absolutely fantastic. You oh, know? absolutely. I mean, Maybe a, could... like a Stu Bennett, Wade Barrett sort of thing. Um, yeah, he could bring in... Um, obviously TNF the trademark for this probably, but the the British Invasion stable. Yeah, uh, guys like um, Caldus. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Magnus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. Some something like that, that included like um, as you say, Barrett. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, there's an abundance of British talent. Uh, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Ah, so I think it would fit that mould, though, you know, because they have to be quite... Spe- I mean, I mean, I suppose you could have your Tyler Bate and stuff like that in there, but I think in terms of fitting that mould, you know, you're, you have to be a heel for a start, you know? Yeah. And as you say, Wade Barrett, Aldis, and... Um, Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Ah, that sounds fucking ideal to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I... I, I, I I mean, I wouldn't see him wasted where he is just now. I think he's in a fantastic position. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably does have more to offer in that regard as well. I would think um, and I'm sure he'd enjoy that. But at the same time, I think he's the kind of guy who wants to just give guys the tools to go out there and do the job at, at the best that they can. Now, I think he's very much happy with the, you know, the, the torch has been passed on and the spotlight's off him now. I think he's quite happy in that position as well. You know, I don't think he's kind of that guy who's dying to get back in front of the camera. I think he's quite keen <coughs> to <coughs> say... <laughs> no, I think he's quite keen to pat people on the back and say, you know, you know what to do, get out there and do it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely a, a, a mentor and a role model that yeah. a lot of guys can look up to, you know. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of videos that you see coming out of the performance center, and um, it was like just kind of working on, it was like a big kind of mass trial thing that, 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 that they had, and he's just getting absolutely off his tits because they don't know how to do their footwork properly, and he's just screaming at them. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Because they won't put their, they won't come out of their own, put their, uh, like left foot forward or something like that but it's, it's so funny man <laughs> I would recommend try to find that I'm going to find that it's so good um, so I mean overall uh, Regal in my eyes anyway one of the most underrated talents in the business I think that as, uh, as far as the in-ring goes you know um, fantastic but I think it's pride and entertainment as I said there you know and that side of the business um and but you know I've said throughout the show you know his, his character working and his acting is sensational. I think there were probably times where he got in his own way and, and stopped himself mm-hmm. from hitting that top spot. Um, I mean, so much, so much has to go right to hit that top spot, you know, yeah. and, and everything has to be clicking and running in the same way, and all the wheels going in the same direction, you know. And um, so it's difficult for the most part, but if, if, if you know you're a bit being self-destructive at times and and stuff like that, I think it, and he had some injuries and stuff, and like as I said, that fucking heart issue and stuff wouldn't have helped matters, but. Um, so a lot, a lot of things have to weigh up for you to be even considered in that spot. But what a good guy! I think obviously that's been our longest episode ever. <laughs> I think it's going to uh, give him some sort of credit for that, you know. Yeah. That, uh, but in terms of wrestling, just one of the most respected people in the business. He is uh, one of the the guys that um, it kind of got me hooked on wrestling. Um, he was everything that 
that entertained me, and even back then, you know what I mean. When they can, yeah, I don't remember a lot of stuff from in WCW. Um, obviously, when they came into WWF, you know what I mean. I would have been just turning, you know, eleven or twelve, uh, actually getting into wrestling, and uh, ah, what a, it was just it was just so different for everybody else. Everybody else was just. You know what I mean? Loud, shouty, fucking or flippy. You know what I mean? Everybody else was doing the same thing. He was just so different. I think that goes through a lot as well. You know the fact that he was different and unique. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Not many like him. Yeah. No, there's absolutely not, man. He is a a one of a kind performer. Um, and it's odd that the people you say that about, you hear that, you hear that phrase getting thrown about with people like Lesnar. Yeah, I mean? yeah, but, yeah. Regal is as well, but for different reasons. People who are like unique athletes, perhaps yeah. you hear that a lot of, but not somebody who obviously had a European style of wrestling. Yeah, a really unique character to him, and just untouchable in terms of the, the, the vast amount of talent that he had in, in every aspect in, in the wrestling game. Like a total all rounder, I think it's yeah. safe to say. I'm, um, I'm very sad that I've uh, I've never seen him actually wrestle. In person, yeah. In person, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, obviously, there's like uh, some one man comedy shows and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think we've agreed if, if Regal does some form of show over here, you know, some sort of meet greet or as he's comedy stuff and that, we'd fucking first in line, you know. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it's a, a tour of Scotland. <laughs> He's <laughs> fucked on to Blackpool. <laughs> uh, so there we have it, William Regal's story and wrestling. What a journey! Um, well, I've got one more uh, put you on the spot question here, Mark. On. This is this is bonus. This is the director's cut stuff, <laughs> right? Give me three opponents that you can never recall Regal facing, but you'd consider a dream match style bout. So Regal versus X. Uh, hmm. Tough one. Um, we'll, right, we'll go modern day era. So yeah. the guy, the guys on the roster just now are there or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean, he has worked Brian, hasn't he? I mean, he's always the first one that's going to cut him out. Oh, he has worked him. Yeah, um, he's worked Brian. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he that hand in training Brian as well. Yeah. Quite, oh, I mean, that's uh, quite, I mean, the way it is now, but I would like to have seen him with Chad Gable. Um, you know, I, I, yes, I think that would be, obviously, you know, I know Chad Gable's character is not exactly much to be desired of or having a match with anybody. Um, I think Drew Gulak is an absolute sell. Um, Gulak, yes, um, just, just especially with stuff that guy's been doing the last year, you know, um. He he's a guy that's very entertaining in, in the same way as Regal was. Oh, that, that's the thing as well. I mean, I'm yeah. not just saying that from a wrestling standpoint, I think, um. In terms of how they could bounce off each other, they'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, I'd put him in the Regal stable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and I'd like to to see him with Pete Dunne. Um, Pete Dunne, of course. I think that's one that... um, it was actually teased somewhat, you know, and I, mean, I wouldn't say they were teasing for that, but I think, you know, because of the, there was a collision of personalities there mm. um, through the first tournament, it was kind of like, oh, I fancy that, you know, give me a slice of that. <laughs> that was a really good face-off, man. It was such the, the disapproving dad, wasn't it? Like, yeah, the intensity oh, of me yeah. going, he's like, you little bastard, you know. You've oh, fucking blown your chance, mate. Have you got through yourself? I do, I do. I've went more mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. So I've went for, obviously... AJ Styles, that's so oh my goodness, cliche, yeah, yeah. but who couldn't have a dream match with AJ? You know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah, that would be along the lines of the the Punk match, I think. Um, the, oh, the I think high, even better because I think AJ's a better worker. Um, oh, oh, definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, even and, better. 
Yep, in terms of being like the, the high flyer who can also do the technical stuff as well, but I think that'd be a smash match. Uh, number two, um, Nakamura. Sensational. Uh, I think because um, obviously Regal gets obviously underlooked for his kind of striking ability. And it was a strong style it. thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's your British strong style versus your that, Japanese strong style, really, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's, it's the brawler versus the, the strong style. I think that, that'd be a really good dynamic as well. And obviously, Joe, uh, Samoa Joe. Um, another kind of a stiff striking affair with a kind of a subplot of the the submissions and the wear downs, you know, yeah. they, they both kind of like that. Um, I would hope that they'd be brilliant <laughs> in execution, they'd probably be born because they would cancel each other out because they're that similar. But I would hope not. I would hope, no, not. I, would, I would think, I mean, you know, if you, especially if you watch some of Joe's earlier stuff, um, obviously, it depends on what area you'd be talking about. Obviously, if you're talking about current Joe, but if you're talking about, you know, maybe. ROH or TNA Joe, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're talking a totally different match, you know. Definitely. And uh, I mean, you look at the matches Joe had with Kurt Angle, I think, you know, you'd be talking up there if you put him in there with Regal. Now, I think you're three of absolutely blown mine out the water there, but I think for different reasons, you know. Um, I know that'd be absolutely fantastic, actually. <laughs> Some more Joe. I like that. I like Nakamura, actually, as well. Um, so there we go. That was a nice wee tasty end. <laughs> there we go. Something to think about. And tell us on Twitter at MarkTheMark22. Who would your top three opponents for William Regal be in a dream match scenario? Tell us what you think. I hope we get some good ones on there. So thank you very much for joining me once again, Stuart. This has been an absolute pleasure. The biggest this, pleasure yet, I think. <laughs> this has been a regal size <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> Fantastic. So William Regal, that was your wrestling life. <laughs>